Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Friday, February 17th, 2023. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute senior fellow, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And for the last time in this iteration, though I suspect not the last time in the history of this podcast, his last day at Commentary, uh, Soon to be former associate editor and now and forever author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. No, we've we, been can getting we call email. Him, yeah, can we call him yeah. special guest star from now on? That's yeah, special guest. That's right. Yeah, he's he's gonna be like uh, I'm gonna like make Heather one Locklear. of my old man references. <laughs> no make, make one of my old man references, like when when Barney Fife left Mayberry to go be a cop in Mount Pilot, but came back a couple of times in subsequent seasons. That 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 could well that could well be. No, we do we have had on. Uh, uh, national review staffers we have andy mccarthy has been on the podcast and so it, it's not uh you know it's not it's not unknown we have been getting email uh i have to say um on noah's uh on noah's um impending uh departure uh, i wanted to read a couple of uh a couple of things people have said before noah leaves i wanted to reach out for the first time as, as a long-time listener to thank you all for your insights and analysis. Uh, I forgot when exactly I started listening, but it was shortly before Sora Bamari moved on. And uh, since I began listening, I may have missed 10 combined episodes over the past few years. Uh, I've been a Commentary Magazine subscriber since shortly after I started listening, which is what you should all be. And Noah's soon-to-be employer National Review owes you my subscription after the commentary crew's reaction to the death of the Weekly Standard, the need to, to support opinion makers we support so uh that's one uh that's one of the many emails that we have received i'm looking for some others i should have collected them somebody <laughs> wants noah to drop his greatest verbal tick hits throughout oh, oh, yeah, just yeah, sprinkle yeah, them like to. that's like, correct very that's very sweet i appreciate that listeners sincerely honestly and i've seen some of them and the reactions have been very heartening i do have to balance that out with some reactions from for example itunes reviews headlined leave already noah his constant <laughs> interruptions and always frenetic style are exhausting so well okay but i God here's speed. the one correction <laughs> here's the one here's the one kindness that features uh, a, a piece of advice that I think you should take to heart from Jacob Flock. I've really enjoyed Noah on the podcast over the years, and I'll especially miss the chuckle I get when he pronounces mispronounces the state of Nevada every time he says it. To be fair, I live in Montana, and one of our representatives has mispronounced our state. Keep up the good work. So, um, so if no obstacle to becoming an elected official in Nevada, apparently yeah. not. And uh, well, no, that was Montana. You see. What do they call uh, it? Montana? What what, I, I what is know. the mispronouncement? Montana, Joe, Joe Montana. Montana. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> uh anyway, so so the uh so the uh the reviews are in. People are gonna miss Noah. Uh we are not, by the way, gonna have a podcast on Monday, President's Day. We'll be back on Tuesday with Matt Continetti starting his tenure uh as a co-host. So Noah, we will we will miss you, we will see you, we will be in constant communication with you. And uh, everybody can follow Noah and his. If the text thread goes dark, I know I've been booted. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> if that uh, thing is I always key, on fire. I think the key. I think the key thing to to know here is that uh, Noah will, you know, uh, who is an astonishingly productive writer, will be, you know, there for you beginning next week. I think is it beginning next week, or are you taking a break? Nope. Okay, so we'll be there next week for you at nationalreview.com on the corner on the website um, with his uh, thoughts and insights, which we'll get to today as well. Um, The President of the United States gave a press conference yesterday, as we have been demanding for weeks, uh, to uh, give us some insight into the administration's behavior in relation to the unidentified flying objects and balloons uh, in our in our atmosphere uh that uh have um have been the obsession of everybody for almost two weeks now um and he said yeah we shot down three civilian <laughs> objects that posed us no harm and in so doing i believe spent 1.6 million dollars of missilery um but he did it with so much more bravado than you're you're giving it was, it was very resolved and firm in his decision to shoot down $300 hobbyist weather balloons. Um, so why did, okay. I, again, every time a story comes out about this, I'm lost in bewilderment. So he comes out. Okay, to now you understand how Joe Biden feels, John, because he also got very angry when people asked him perfectly legitimate questions, and he stormed well, people off. People were shouting questions. <laughs> people were shouting questions at him, and it was very hard, apparently, for him to make out what they were saying because they were yelling at him, and you know, and it was time for his, you know, his cottage cheese and ketchup. So I guess he had to go, and uh, you know, have have lunch, but um. Why is it reassuring that we used we used uh, missiles to shoot down balloons that are apparently are private property? Apparently, it's not illegal to have a. I guess it must not be illegal to have a balloon in the. But also, how do how does somebody have a balloon that's the size of a small car that supposedly breaks up and isn't really a balloon? And that is a balloon. It's a it's a civilian craft that's just floating up there. But in... this is the thing. It's not. Nothing about what he said is is reassuring because it's not definitive. We haven't recovered anything. It's we're, we're working with the same exact facts we've been working with since the things were shot down, and that is uh, the coordinates of, of of these objects and the descriptions by the pilots who shot them down. That's that's all we've had this whole time. There's nothing new to to now determine. Um, well, we did. They did put some benign. meat. They did put some, well, the Wall Street Journal did put some meat on the administration's contention, on the bones of the administration's contention that the Trump administration had encountered similar incursions, similar objects with links to Chinese intelligence. From the Wall Street Journal's report this morning, um, <clears throat> a small circle of intelligence officials at the Pentagon during the Trump administration monitored a series of mysterious objects, now suspected to be balloons, but the incidents were never reported, never kicked up the chain. Uh, those officials believed that these objects were uh, that Beijing was using them to test radar jamming systems over sensitive U.S. military sites. And yet they compartmentalized this information, never kicked it up the chain, perhaps at the Pentagon, certainly not to uh, civilian officials. And in retrospect, that seems kind of dumb. But even at the time, if your assessment is that this is a these are assets from a hostile foreign power designed to 
jam sensitive military sites and you and you push that one into the filing cabinet? Yeah, it's like, oh, Confusing. look, there's something we've never seen before. I'm not telling anybody about that. You know, I could don't degrade don't, your capacity. I'm to not respond. writing a memo. I'm not writing a memo. I'm just going to write the memo to file. It's a very weird story. I, I only read the beginning of it because I didn't know about it until just before we came on air. But um, whose benefit is the release of this information? I think the benefit is that somebody at the Pentagon when this all started, must have contacted Biden officials at the Pentagon and said, yeah, we, we saw this like three, four years ago. And we, you know, I just want you to know that we saw this. And it's like, oh, the Trump administration saw it. Right. They but saw they political advantage anything. to doing to saying that rather than understanding that perhaps Trump yeah. never knew himself. Well, I, Trump couldn't possibly have known right. if the secretary of defense didn't. Exactly. didn't know. Even if it's and a careerist objective. Like somebody just according, wants to cover their butts. Yeah, according this to the seems like according this to the story, they gave a briefing. Exposure. They gave a briefing on Wednesday to former Trump officials. They gave a briefing to Matt Pottinger and uh, Robert O'Brien and John Bolton, both of whom are national security advisors. Obviously, Mike Pompeo and John Ratcliffe were briefed on Wednesday. So they were briefed. Why? Um, be to get them to not to stop saying that the Trump administration didn't know about it because the administration didn't know about it. The permanent government knew about it, I guess. You know, GS 15 staffers who look at radar pictures or something knew about it. Um, why isn't that like a crisis? Uh, why didn't you tell us that the blue why 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 you just like held on to the information that Chinese are 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 doing recon with new kinds of craft and you didn't tell anybody? Mike that Gallagher has more questions than answers. Yeah, he does. Mike Mike Gallagher, of course, is running this committee on the Chinese what would you call it? I threat is maybe too strong a word, but the Chinese um competition with the United States. Uh, in the house um so congratulations to the my administration for raising even more questions and answers and why isn't anybody saying uh so trump was a terrible cowboy but uh, he didn't shoot off missiles at things that he didn't know what they were and then destroyed them and like is no one came forward to say that was mine and maybe you owe me compensation for destroying my my balloon what the hell also you can shoot things up in the air. They go 20,000 feet and stay there in the atmosphere, and you don't have to, like, file some kind of information with the FAA or well, dr something Drones like that. are regulated. I mean, there are regulations out there in terms of where you can you can safely yeah. launch things such as drones, but those are under the control of the drone operator. So maybe there are – I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners – We don't know. I mean, obviously, this but we, is we have to give some Noah kind credit. of regulatory crack. I do want to give Noah credit, not just because it's his last day and we're going to be sad to miss him, but he said early on this was his theory and it has spun out beautifully exactly as he said. So, like, kudos to Noah for getting that. Said this on Twitter. Except on, a, on, a, except as, on a clear day, you can see the obvious. But except as Abe said, we don't know that it's obvious. 
We right. don't know it's, until they recover well, the, the, until the they Biden recover administration's the behavior was obvious. That was the predict part of the prediction okay. that I found I mean, satisfying. I safely ruled out extraterrestrial invasion pretty early on. In Which makes time. me kind of sad, but okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> As a former X-Files watcher, I, I'm a little sad about that. But Well, if you're an X-Files watcher, you don't believe that they've told you the tr truth. So just just to make just Aha. to make clear, I don't know why you're I don't know why it's you're still out there. Yes. Cigarette smoking man is standing there saying, oh, yeah, it's not UFOs. <laughs> sure. He was like the Gen X version of the Marlboro Man, that smoking exactly. guy. Yeah. OK, yeah, um, there was a character on the X-Files I'm making reference to anyway. All right. So uh, Abe's in the we still don't know what the hell is going on. Noah's like, I knew it was a balloon. I'm like. You people are terrible at this, but I think we should also make reference to Abe's uh, excellent blog post yesterday in which he said, we are living in a world in which uh, n nothing seems to get resolved and nobody knows anything, right? Yeah, that's Abe? right. Yeah. It was uh, the, the sort of like the, the 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 twin aspects of it yesterday were regarding uh, Biden's physical, Walter Reed. We wouldn't. Oh, he has the... acid reflux, everybody. Right. After dinner. So I guess Zantac is, um, he's 80 years old. He's got nothing wrong with him except a little acid reflux. It's not that I don't believe that can be true uh, because what 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 may be wrong with him, uh, I don't think is measurable as a matter of, you know, like a... He didn't take a cognitive test as far as we know. Oh, good. You mean like where he has to remember words and yeah. say them back? Yeah, like which, which Trump look, did look, my, my dad is his test. age. Like you can take those tests. You can hey, go to Trump your doctor and be it. like, how's... Yeah, yeah. right. Camera, remember? Yes, he he boasted he about his words back. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh. But you had that, and then you have a couple of other important. Oh yeah. So the so yesterday. So I was, you know no, we're not going to actually hear about uh Biden's fitness, uh particularly when it comes to cognitive issues. We don't. We're never really going to get to the bottom of these uh flying objects. Um. And then I was spinning off some other things we never found out who leaked the, the, the uh, justice alito's draft memo uh what happened to finding the, the origins of covid you know yeah. we 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 sort of we both both searches have been given up by the way um um we don't get to the bottom of things anymore so we don't have answers and when you don't have answers everything becomes a distraction because you can't respond you can't do anything uh, constructive with the facts because you don't really have the facts. Well, and you also it, it, it's a flourishing environment for conspiracy theorizing, which then, you know, plenty of people in power who should be getting to the bottom of things are happy to denounce people who create their own theories because no one's gotten to the bottom of things. It's a it's not a great cycle. Yeah. For democracy. I mean, I have to say the conspiracy theories can 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 bake in any environment because, of course, the Warren Commission did come up with an answer on the Kennedy assassination, and that remained the foremost conspiracy theory of in america of the last half half century uh despite this you know 40 yeah but reasonable people would point to that and say actually we here were some conclusions whereas now if you start talking yeah. to someone about the origins of COVID, it's anything goes it's like right. there's no there's no actual because of our declining faith in institutions as well there's no kind of institutional imprimatur you can say look this this is what we've kind of come to a conclusion about right that's very that's unsettling it is very unsettling uh, and uh, and uh, yes, dis disturbing and distracting and upsetting. And I I think that um, uh, a lot of this in the last couple of years has to do with uh, a fatigue uh, that a lot of this comes down to uh, 
liberals and media simply not wanting to pursue angles of discussion that might be injurious or harmful to the cause of keeping Trump and Republicans from power. And if you look at a lot of these cases, I don't think that's the case with the Supreme Court thing. I don't know what the story is there. But in all of these cases, it is the demand that we give the Biden administration the benefit of the doubt on these balloons, the demand that we don't pursue uh, the Wuhan lab leak hypothesis, um, all of this has to do with not providing ammunition to people they do not want to provide ammunition to uh, that would be pursued relentlessly and with singular OCD focus uh, if the president had an arb, you know, attached to his name. I, I, I really do believe it. Is there any am I being too vulgar? You guys? No, you... no, I think that's exactly right. No. I mean, yeah. I no, as I said that. in that, I hate post, to do that, but I yeah, go ahead. It's sometimes you know, incompetence and bias come together to leave us in the dark. It's a, right. it's a combo. Um, let me take a second to um, to to tell people about something really important and really wonderful that you can be a part of now. Um, We've been saying, you know, for for years on this podcast that, uh, you know, the news often makes us feel as if we are reliving social disorders from the 60s and 70s. Issues we discuss here on a daily basis, rising crime, urban decay, inflation, the debasement of the culture, racial tension, American fecklessness abroad, the overall sense that America is not worthy of our gratitude and patriotism. These were among the realities that mugged the early neoconservatives, the New York intellectuals, who graced commentaries pages and who developed this tendency largely in the pages of commentary and the public interest. Uh, if there ever was a time to revisit the work of men and women like Irving Crystal, Milton Hillenfarb, Saul Bellow, and of course my parents, Norman Podhoritz and Midge Dechter, that time is now. That is why our friend, dear friend, a longtime commentary contributor, our second longest lived and longest tenured commentary contributor Ruth Weiss has teamed up with Tikva to offer an eight-part online video course introducing the lives and ideas of the New York intellectuals. You can watch the series at your own pace at any time and learn how and why these working-class Jewish children of immigrants became leading defenders of American values, American culture, and political sanity. Just visit intellectuals.tikvafund.org that's intellectuals.tikvahfund.org to sign up for this online course free of charge. That's intellectuals.tikvahfund.org to enroll free of charge. Ruth, uh, professor at McGill and at Harvard for many decades, is one of the world's great lecturers. And uh, uh, this is a remarkable intellectual achievement on its own and a huge contribution for people who want to uh who even if you know about it and you know about the new york intellectuals who 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 took this turn to the right um you will uh be be enlightened and if you don't know anything about it your 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 eyes will be opened and you will get you will end up with a with a thrilling reading list uh to educate yourself so that's intellectuals.tikvafund dot org uh okay where where do we where do we have so much to talk about here where do we go now 
Noah, you pick. <clears throat> Pennsylvania's junior senator. And some rather stunning news that we got yesterday. This is so... So John Fetterman uh, checked himself into Walter Reed. Apparently, it's the second time in two weeks that he's checked himself into Walter Reed, suffering from uh, severe depression. Who could gainsay him and the experience of his severe depression? He had a nearly life-ending stroke uh, last June. Um, he is clearly very debilitated. He can't have a conversation with people. He needs to see what they're saying on a screen in order to respond. He has aphasic problems. He has word substitution problems. He has various uh, continuing consequences uh, from this uh, stroke, and demands are being made of him to serve as one of 100 senators in the in the United States Congress, when clearly just getting through the day must be a great hardship and deep frustration to him that is defeating his ability to keep his emotional state in equilibrium. Uh, it's tragic and horrible, but if I'm a voter in Pennsylvania, even if I'm a voter who voted for him, can this continue? I mean, I, I don't really know the circumstances. I looked it up. So if he resigns, Josh Shapiro, the governor, gets to appoint a successor. The successor would be in place until the next general election, which is, of course, November of 2004. But um, he he can't communicate. There was a story last week that was essentially, I think, in the New York Times, it was essentially a way of um, softening the ground for what we learned today, because it was all about how hard his struggles are and there was at one point in was this some um, Jody Cantor story that she said that his difficulties are both physical and emotional which i think everybody blipped over cuz like how do, who knows what that means and now we now we know what it means that was some kind of weird trial balloon float to get it out in the ether that there were there were difficulties mm -hmm. in that realm and he should look he should definitely i think it's a very good thing that he is Finally, his his office is being very forthright about his struggles. And it's always, always, always good if you are suffering from any sort of mental health issue to go seek treatment immediately. There is no shame in that. That is exactly what you want people to do, whether they're just the average Joe on the street or they're a, a sitting senator. So all of that is good. And I think what's what's interesting in terms of the voters perspective and how we think about fitness for office these were all the issues that had that that were raised while he was running. People were called ableists and all kinds of other things. We discussed this on the podcast for even raising those issues. And now when people are saying this is this isn't great, like he's clearly suffering as a result of the strain of doing a job that everyone was concerned his existing condition would be a strain. Now it's how dare you how dare you attack someone for doing what they should by seeking mental health treatment. That is not what the there's no attack here. There's a there's a pointing to a, a set of issues and a prediction that was made by a lot of people saying. This this will really be a struggle for him to do this job, and that should be part of the discussion that voters have about him. That is not ableist. That is something that I think in politics we have to be willing to do. So it, it's it, the media is trying to massage this as well. And you know, I, I will say one prediction: his wife definitely wants that job. So if he's a if, if they if Shapiro appoints his wife, which I don't think he will do, I don't think he's <clears throat> that foolish. That's going to have a whole nother news cycle of questions about what went on here in terms of his campaign. Well, but if you're, I mean, it's self-evident 
that it's debilitating. If you're checking yourself into right. a hospital, it's debilitating. You can't do the job, at least for the period in which you're in the hospital. Good for him for getting help, but he can't do the job from the hospital bed. And John, your allegation is that Jody Cantor just wasn't being honest. No, I mean, no, I think in- no, I I don't think she I don't think Jody Cantor was participating in a conspiracy. I think they may have said to her something like, "Yeah, it's very hard on him emotionally." Okay, you know, then then his campaign like was being frustrated, dishonest, misled yeah. reporters. Oh, kept, yeah, and if and if the fourth estate has any professional respect for itself, should be furious with the Fetterman campaign for hiding this information from themselves, from voters, and should react with the indignation that they would as they would assume on the part of voters if it were any other figure who's responsible for the democratic party's majority in the senate well but the press was so involved in in churning out this cover story what they should do is now feel some shame that that they were you know um entangled in this an indignation terrible but, but they're well, not no why indignation they they yeah. they were doing it but they are not they are not from what i can tell in the in the sort of 16 hours since i guess we found out that this happened the the default has been it's really great that he's getting he's being so open about his struggles and he's and that he's uh, going to get help rather than from june until november the pennsylvania democratic party and the powers that be in that party and we won't even go to what his family was up to. The people on his campaign happy talked and sweet talked and directed a campaign of vilification against anybody who raised questions about whether or not he was in suitable fit shape to do this. And was there no medical professional in his life that said not only that this might be bad for his health because you know he could it could the stress could in, in, engender another another stroke but said this can be very this is a very difficult thing he's in his late 40s he's he's a young man he is he's having, in his 50s is he in his 50s i, I thought he was 49 his... okay oh. anyway um you know he's having trouble summoning up words he has he is a stroke victim who had a serious stroke and the stress is not just physical or on his you know circulation in his vestibular system it's on his being and uh you know i i've worked with a lot of stroke victims and i don't i think this is too much pressure on him i don't know if anybody said that to them i i i don't know but um somebody should have and here we are he has only been in the Senate for two months. I mean, he was sworn in at the, excuse me, six weeks. What am I saying? Two months. He was sworn in in January. It's February 14th. He cannot have a conversation with anyone. He cannot have a conversation with anyone. That poor guy. And there he is sitting there. This is a, this is a job that requires consultation informal negotiation and all of that and there he is physically incapable and now apparently emotionally incapable of performing it can this go on i think the answer is it can because 
unless people in the media are willing to break through this barrier and say, this is just not like, what about the editorial boards in Pennsylvania that supported his candidacy? I mean, if he, let's just make it clear. If he is, he is, if he has to step down, he will be replaced by a Democrat. There is a Democratic yeah, the, governor who will this replace is why him I with find, a Democratic. Okay, go ahead. I find all this just too much to stomach. This all this the outpouring of support for John Fetterman and his condition, and oh, you know, it's so brave. They don't care. No one cares about this guy. He's not a human being to them. He's a tool. He exists to serve a political purpose. His health, his family life, is of no consequence to any of these people. But this is the way in which they can break through that problem of using him as a tool. If he's a tool, he's a tool because he prevented the Republicans from winning that Senate seat. And um, and his in that sense, his utility is done. Well, not very. Yeah, you, brought up, one, you brought okay. up the editorial boards, for example, yeah. in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. It's not done for them. Elsewhere, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. I mean, there's a whole bunch of Harrisburg. I don't read local Harrisburg news, so I don't know where, where they you don't. Oh. My God, <laughs> I don't know where they landed in this one. But there were quite a few very liberal editorial institutes, especially in Philadelphia Inquirer. I did read them. Yeah. They made fools of themselves, and their reputation is on the line. If 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 John Fetterman can't perform the job as they insisted he could, then yeah, their reputation is on I, the line. Okay, can I sh- take a slight shift uh, over? to talk about California and Dianne Feinstein. So Dianne Feinstein announced last week that she was not running for office. She's 90 years old, right? So she's not running for re-election, which is good because she's 90 years old. But it's not just good because she's 90 years old. It is good because we have it on almost imp- unimpeachable authority now through every that she is non-compass mentis. She is, she either is, she either is senile, she's demented, or she has Alzheimer's. And no stain on her. She's 90 years old. And that happens to people. You know, it happened to my mother. It happens to people such as life and such are the conditions. Okay. So she so she has announced she's not running for office. And there was that horrible moment where somebody said, you know, Senator Feinstein, I understand you're not running for office. And she said, who said that? And then she said, you did. You Your office issued a statement. And she said, we issued a statement. Um. Let me just ask you this. Why is she still in the Senate? Why doesn't she, again, similar things. She cannot perform the duties of a senator. If she is going to step, she can't be a senator for another 20 months or 22 months. Well, she can if her staff props her up and does the bidding, I mean, of, you know, the leadership. We know that that has happened in the past. We know that. That doesn't, that doesn't help in this circumstance. She is publicly, it is now publicly clear that she cannot perform the duties of the job because she is not in her, she does not have her mental faculties. It would be a good time for some very uh, uh, pugnacious and ambitious senator to propose a constitutional amendment um, 
either requiring an age limit on some of these offices or a cognitive test for continuation or re-election if you reach a certain age in some of these offices. I think given the aging population, like we, we're, we're headed in that direction anyway. People are very concerned. Nikki Haley just, just suggested anyone over the age of 75 who wants to run for president should have to reveal the results of a cognitive test. I'm totally on board with that. I mean, this, this I mean, it's this, it's this funny. Work. I'm, I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but it's funny because uh, Raw Story, which is a venue I don't usually read, but reporter over at Raw Story, uh, Raw Story, Matt Laszlo, got a few quotes from senators about this cognitive test situation. And Jim Reich and Mike Crapo seem especially perturbed by the suggestion that uh, they're the the upper body's elderly members should take cognitive tests. A lot of them are insisting, hey, everybody should take cognitive tests. Because those younger members are pretty darn crazy, too. Um, so I'm not sure I'm on board with the cognitive test. An age limit, though. You have I a lower, you know, have to be 35 I just want to know why Gavin Newsom, let me just propose this. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, stands up and says, Diane Feinstein is a hero of mine. She was my predecessor as mayor of, of San Francisco. She stepped in heroically upon the assassination of Mayor uh, Moscone and, uh, and you know, became a major figure in America, has been a hero in many years. She must, she must retire immediately. I will appoint a successor. There will be an election in 2024. The state of California cannot have a person in her condition representing it as one of the two representatives in the second, you know, in the, in, in the higher chamber. Uh, this is a this is a, a matter of uh, unique significance for my state, and people shouldn't worry if they voted. You know, I'm Wouldn't a Democrat. A I will appoint a Democrat. There, though, I mean, he, he would have to appoint like a real no name placeholder because the the effort to succeed Diane Feinstein began well before she ever announced her retirement. Yeah, he already appointed a no name placeholder. Name me name me the other senator in California who he appointed, and then and then but then one election, but then one election. So, he won yeah. an election. So, I so know he still nobody knows who he is. If you're Adam Schiff, if you're Barbara Lee, yeah. Uh, if, well, yeah. Why does uh, Newsom care about Barbara. that? Well, I don't know. I mean, perhaps his his party at his back. I don't know. I'm just talking about this as a matter of like simple good governance. Like she should not be a senator. If she, if this were New York State and she were my senator, I would be you know like I would be writing op eds every. Every day, demanding that she that that the political powers that be use their influence to have her to have her retire. But then, but isn't this then? Doesn't this tell us that uh, s- these constituents and and citizens don't expect much of of senators and public figures, and that they and they have this sense that you can do the job, um, no matter how. Uh, um, off your game and and off off peak shape you are and that you can you can just sort of be led to check here and raise your hand for this and 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 the other thing that we we sort of don't we don't believe that there is anything extraordinary going on uh among our political leaders that it it can be done by a body that will generally agree with where we fall yeah just just stick a chat gpt yeah. in there and you know then just let it run because if we didn't <laughs> we would be outraged well in, in some sense the po- polarization situation that we're in makes that case almost implicitly because if you have a d after your name you're going to vote like this in 95 to 98 percent of the cases and if you have an r after your name it's this and so it doesn't matter who's the body 
in the chair, right? Because because everybody now lines up ideologically. Well, this is why the Dems hate cinema and mansion, right? Like because yeah. they did not line up as they're always right. supposed to and expected to do. Right. Okay, but um, I don't know that the people of California know that this is going on with Diane Feinstein again. This is the media, the situation that the media is in. Where are the articles about Diane Feinstein? Are, do local do local news does the local news in LA and San Francisco and Sacramento and and uh you know, I don't know, San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara places like that are they talking about this every day? Has a poll been taken where you say if a senator to Californians, if a senator uh, is uh, cognitively impaired because of age, should that senator continue to serve? If we had poll numbers on how Californians answer that without knowing the specifics, then you might be right. But I assume if you really asked that question and had a decent poll, 75% of people would say that person should step down because it's like, if they feel that way about people being uh, disposable or interchangeable, then they would feel that way anyway in the other direction like maybe they don't care enough but on the other hand if they don't care enough then what do they care whether it's feinstein or somebody else i just i i i this is a this is a very weird situation here um and by the way the thing about strom thurmond because people mentioned strom thurmond who i think served until he was 94 or something like that strom thurmond was actually not senile like he he was old and weird and crazy and and morally depraved but you know he did run the clarence thomas uh confirmation hearings and he said some funny cracked old man things but he was not non mentis and he was i don't know 91 at the time or something like that I, again you guys are we're going to get email about how he he wasn't 91 so i'm going to check that you guys talk while i check and see how old he was so that people don't yell at me for being wrong about his age then but um i say you were right he was 89 oh, why would you check that just let that let it slide <laughs> he was no 89 he was 89 anyway i'm just saying like he actually wasn't Diane Feinstein, we've been hearing now for a year, year and a half that she is senile. People aren't going to say that someone's senile is not senile. They don't dislike Diane Feinstein. People are seem to feel warmly about Diane Feinstein in general. There are eight members of the U.S. Senate who were born before the end of World War II. There are 21 members of the House who are similarly yeah. members of the silent generation. Okay, let's let me let me see if I can let me let's 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 see if I can we can do a quiz here and see if we can uh, name on the Republican side we have Chuck Grassley who I believe is 87 or 88. Right? Uh Is this a quiz? I'm going to fail. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who like Chuck Grassley is He's 89. Is, he's 89. Uh and he's sharp. So I mean it, it it's all individual. By the way, the problem with this is not that he may be sharp today, right? But uh, decline, decline like this is uh, is is something that is on. Look, my dad is ninety three. He's perfectly sharp. You know, he he can't walk very well, but he's but he's he's sharp. My mother, when she was ninety three, was not, and so you know, it can go either way. You know, life is life is very complicated. Um, so you can't presume that somebody who was 89, but she, we know, at least since she was 89, 
is not does not possess her mental faculties uh or you know has them intermittently or whatever it is that that kind of we don't know what her condition is there are three or four different conditions that she may be experiencing I will say she had one of the best viral moments of recent memory when someone filmed her scolding a group of school children who'd been brought out as human props for the efforts of an environmental campaign. And they were protesting her in her office and she just absolutely schooled them. It was like a kind of totally surreal, you know, uh, schoolhouse rock video in real time. I, I I enjoyed it very much, even though probably policy wise, I disagree with Diane Feinstein on, on, on most things. It was epic. Epic. Yeah. So it's a good. I, I think she should have gone out on that. <laughs> that. Yeah, it was great, but it might have been a, a senile moment because you don't Could know. It's a, it's rare for a politician to say to a Scold. young girl who says who says I voted for you. So are, are you eighteen? Then you didn't vote for me. <laughs> I know, but yeah. it was so awesome. She was like, yeah. she was like tough, tough as nails, grandma. I was yeah. uh, anyway. I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, the really uh, jaw dropping thing that happened in the last. 24 hours for me was the release of the filing of Dominion voting systems in its $1.6 billion uh, defamation suit against Fox news for Fox news peddling uh, conspiracy theories involving Dominion after the uh, election in 2020. Um, it's an absolutely spellbinding thing to read. I, if you want some enter nonfiction entertainment today, go download it and read through it. It is one of the juiciest documents that you will ever read, and it uh, establishes because they did discovery at Fox and got hold of all of the emails and texts and things in the Fox system that mentioned Dominion or talked about the aftermath of the election. They craft a narrative in which officials at Fox and on-air talent at Fox acknowledged that Biden had won the election, acknowledged that Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, and others were uh, dirty or insane, and yet continued to peddle falsehoods and talk about them as though the things that they were alleging in relation to Dominion were true, in part, if not in full, because they were terrified that on their right flank was Newsmax, which in the immediate wake of the November election and Fox's call uh, at, I don't know, midnight or whenever it was, that Arizona had been lost by Trump and that Biden had won Arizona, that, um, that Newsmax said, no, uh, Trump won Arizona, and therefore all of these viewers left Fox and went over to Newsmax. And uh, Fox's main concern in November and December was protecting the brand. If you were a Fox correspondent who said something rather on Twitter about fact-checking the claims on Dominion, there was an internal body of opinion led by Suzanne Scott, who runs the Fox News Channel, attacking you and saying you better delete that tweet you know you are not protecting our brand tucker carlson saying things like that person should be fired for even questioning this because it's bad for our brand our stock price is in trouble it's That's an amazing thing huh excuse me that was jackie heinrich jackie heinrich was there were two different people jackie heinrich who was a who was a washington correspondent who was sort of 
you know, trying to and a solid reporter and a solid reporter who would have had her career destroyed for being accurate. Yeah. So um, I don't see how uh, Dominion, uh, there is any doubt that Dominion is going to win this suit if it goes to trial. Uh, Fox's response yesterday was to say, uh, we have this thing called the First Amendment, but forget that. Dominion was bought by a hedge fund for $18 million, and now they're looking for $1.6 billion. So they're just trying to make money. So, yeah, so unlike Fox, a money-making uh, pursuit of the, you know, uh, they're not trying to make money. Um, uh, it's astounding and scandalous and jaw-dropping and uh and as i say like i i just don't reading through it and you don't see what the counter brief is dominion has them six ways from sunday i mean they're like yes we know that we're lying but we're only doing it to protect our stock price is like give them all the money because you know if you go to trial 1.6 billion may not be enough for a jury to compensate Dominion for this two months of slander. Okay, I I, I read through this. Okay, uh, they they say um, disparaging things about Trump and Rudy and Sidney Powell. They say don't don't question um, uh, uh, the allegations against Dominion. Uh, they they say that Trump is a destroyer and we will let him destroy us. Um, what is the most explicit reference they make to the, the election claim, the, the claim of the election being um, fixed? What is the most explicit claim they make that that is not true? Because uh, I didn't see an explicit. OK, claim it's in. That. OK, it's there. Is, the, the thing is a very long. It's a long brief and they have a whole section in which they list chapter and verse of the things that were said on air that questioned uh that questioned the election i mean they gave airtime no Here's no i'm thing. no but yeah, i mean okay. what what did they say that shows that they didn't believe that explicitly they say i first of all suzanne scott and hannity and tucker in depositions said they believed that biden had won the election and then on air they acted as though that was that was in question. So they 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 are under they are they are sworn they have sworn under penalty of perjury that they believe that Biden had won the election. Okay, so <laughs> that's in depositions, that which is, but the depositions yeah. matter because yes, they, hugely they, important. They, yeah, they yeah, are yeah. they are asked what their view was at the time, Absolutely. and they say yes. Biden won the election. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm a first of all, I'm a strong believer in the First Amendment, and you know, and, and not using, you know, the press freedom and everything you can possibly say. I write for, you know, I, I, I write for the public prints. We have a magazine here. You cannot knowingly convey false information. Uh, that is slander, but their defamation, which is a, which is a, which is an even has to do with whether or not they damage, they knowingly say something with malice aforethought to damage the source to discredit the source. So Sidney Powell says Dominion is owned by Venezuelan communists. That is not true. She said it on the air on Fox. Fox is not a mailbox in which this letter passed from one person to another. 
Fox is responsible for things that are said on Fox. There is uh, the Buddy Cianci lawsuit against the New York Times establishes, I mean, the, the decision in Cianci versus New York Times establishes that you are responsible for things that are said to you. Like, you can't just say, well, he said it and I just reported it. That's not, you cannot libel someone using a quote. It's still libel. So I'm just saying, I don't know how Fox gets out of this. I really don't. Uh, and just as a matter of moral turpitude, Their behavior is so astoundingly repulsive. Like, all we have as communicators is saying things that we know to be true. Like, I, you know, we're not politicians. I granted, like, they're worried about losing their audience. And there's a lot of money involved and they don't want to lose their audience. I mean, am I just being naive by saying you're still not supposed to lie? Like, you're not supposed to lie <laughs> Like people, people have lost their careers for, you know, used to lose their careers for just telling a lie. Like you can fire somebody who lies to you, right? Like if you said, I said, I did this and you didn't, I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I've got you, I've got to let you go because, you know, you lied to me and I therefore have lost your trust or you've lost my trust. <laughs> I mean, am I being, am I being too like Boy Scoutish here? It's okay that Tucker, you know, whom I've known for 30 years, who worked for me at the Weekly Standard, lied repeatedly and also also said other people should be fired whom he knew to be telling the truth because they were harming his stock price. No, but we've talked about this before as our political culture in general has decided to reward people who lie boldly. Like you can get away with it. It's no longer shading the truth. If you if you lie with an ounce of humility to you, you're done. But you can say something absolutely outrageous. And as long as you your convictions appear firm, then you can kind of get away with it because your your side will reward you for it. Right. Well, th this is, of course, a unique situation because what we have here is we're seeing two faces at once. Right. We're seeing Fox making a decision in the days after the election because of the correct call that Arizona was lost by Trump. The call was correct and has been upheld now by 72 different recounts and all of that. So what do they do? They have this hinge moment at which they can defend the thing that they did that was not only necessary or whatever because they have a decision desk, but correct. No, they fired Chris Starwalt, our friend Chris Starwalt. They fired Bill Salmon, his boss. They th This is what they did to the decision desk in order to show Twitter lunatics and Trump that they were serious about not letting this you know brand problem go any further. So they fire them. And then, I mean, this is not the correct sequence. And then they pivot because they have a moment at which they can say, okay, Trump lost the election. We're moving on to Biden. Or they could cover this as though it was a continuing real story, of which the, for which they were the propagandists and the and the um, uh, you know lap megaphone for two months because it was better for their ratings and that they weren't then then going to face a challenge from Newsmax. And you see it in real time in this 
in this brief from Dominion. They had a moment at which, and Rupert Murdoch was apparently telling them to pivot. And then they were like, well, we can't pivot. It's just too dangerous. In case you're wondering whether Rupert Murdoch has total control over every single jot and tittle that is in the that it, that that goes on in you know in uh, in News Corp. Christine, as our as our media commentary columnist, what where, where do you come down on this? No, I mean I think I, I was struck by how in what they well what's now become public communication thanks to discovery in this trial, but what what was considered private communication by the people involved, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, they would readily admit that someone you know that that someone was lying or that that person's an idiot and yet then they would go on air and and defend what the idiot liar said so i mean i actually think perhaps that there are the best argument they could make is we're entertainers we cannot be held to the the standard of facts but of course that's not what they have built their brand on their whole the whole point is that they're supposedly telling you the truth when everyone else won't well this this blows that out of the water obviously and i think they should be punished what they they, they are lying on air Look, MSNBC has plenty of people who lie on air, too, but it's generally in a kind of opinion oriented show. Fox is reporting things as news. And and I think the fact that they fired Chris and his boss is a, is a perfect example of of, of uh, the news versus the opinion side of Fox. So a lot of people watch Fox as a kind of entertainment you know, right wing opinion sort of show. But when you're reporting on the results of an election and you report something correct and it and then you you have the higher ups and the muckety mucks and your big star personality saying we can't say that because it's going to piss off Donald Trump. You're not a news network anymore. You cannot call yourself a news network. You can call yourself an entertainment network, an opinion network, lots of other things, but you're not reporting the news anymore. Sean Hannity in 2018 uh, went on a campaign uh, against <clears throat> a campaign to um, how would you say this uh, to uh support a conspiracy theory that a 27 year old staffer at the democratic national committee who was murdered by a mugger seth in rich, washington yes. seth horrifying rich. story yeah it's terrible um and hannity uh gave airtime and space and and on on fox and on his radio show uh a um uh a megaphone and uh, when Fox had to defend him against the case, against him, uh, to defend the uh, things that were going on because the Rich family sued Fox, Fox tried the argument that Hannity was not a journalist. <clears throat> I think they said he's an entertainer and, you know, and he's trying to create a narrative and all of this. And it was so successful that they settled with the Rich family for apparently an ungodly amount of money appropriately because they had essentially said that Seth Rich was either part of a conspiracy or was, you know, maybe he was handing information to somebody and then he was killed by the DNC. Horrible, Doesn't matter what they did, said. Yeah. It was just appalling. It really was appalling. Um, and, and, but I'm saying this argument was tried and, uh, and didn't, uh, you know, and basically uh, they, they tested out the, you can't trust us. And, uh, you know, you can't, you, you don't, you shouldn't trust us. We're, you know, we're, we're just trying to keep people entertained and, um, and whatever happened then happened. So it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a kind of a astounding, an astounding moment. And, um, and uh, I, 
we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see where this goes but um i think the murdoch family is going to be a bill at least a billion dollars poorer when all this is over or news corp is going to be a bill which they own i don't know 60 percent of or something like that anyway um so noah uh we started this podcast at your behest was your idea i resisted as you'll remember, I didn't want to do it. Why didn't I want to do it? Because it wasn't, I was worried it would sound amateurish. We didn't know what we were doing. We wanted a high quality of, uh, you know, entertainment, polish, like, and I was worried it would sound unpolished and I didn't really like podcasts and all of that. And then we figured we would give it a shot. So we're here because of you. You produced the podcast. We are now going to endeavor to do it without you. Uh, and uh and so uh we're we're this uh this institution uh is in your debt and we're in your debt as colleagues and we're in your debt as friends and uh and uh it's a it's a it's quite the moment it is i'm leaving the show in very capable hands and just remember to fade out the music of 41 seconds Got that? Hey, put that on the writing it down. The document. Forty-one <laughs> seconds. Thank you guys very much. It's been an honor and a privilege to work to work with you and to be able to call you all friends. And it's just, I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Well, you Until know, you know, time. I I've already argued that that your your uh, your house is still the commentary podcast safe room in case of some sort of you know <laughs> national disaster. So yeah, if we can get there, that's right. Yeah. Working on the bunker. Oh, we'll get there. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well. So for for Abe and Christine and for the last time, Noah, I'm John Pothoritz. Keep the candle burning.